Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We will be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. Uh, welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Um, I have the great pleasure today of having Con Apostolopoulos today, uh, and so that's uh, fantastic. Welcome, Con. Thank you, Julian, for having me. No, no, I, and I just want to introduce uh, to my audience uh, who are listening right now to a little bit, bit about you, but uh, we'll go into that more in detail, is that you are a, a performance and change expert. You're an author and international speaker and you provide change management and performance improvement expertise for individuals and organizations who are looking to navigate challenges and thrive even in uncertain times, which we certainly are. And um, you know, I, I recently uh, interviewed a colleague of yours, Eli, uh, who you both wrote a book together recently on seven keys to navigating a crisis. So some lots of meat, lots of things to tackle there. And uh, I'm looking forward to um, having your insights uh, on this show. So I just wanna ask the first question, which I always ask all of my guests is, what do you love about what you do, Con? Well, that's a great question. Uh, thank you for starting off so uh, so, so, so meaningfully. Um, I, I embrace a quote that I heard a long time ago that says, the two most important days in your life are the day you come into this world and the day you realize why. Uh, I've been very, very fortunate. Looking back on my career and connecting the dots that way, I realized that the purpose, my why, why I'm here, is to be able to share, to teach, to coach, to uh, help people succeed, help them reach their goals. And that's been my, my driving force as I look back on my career, on my life. Uh, I love to serve. I love to help. And I love to to see the light bulb go on in people's eyes as they make the realizations that they need to, to make and get on with their journey from that perspective. I'm a lifelong learner, so it makes sense that I'm in a sphere where I can provide information and coach and teach and help people learn. Wow, that's that's um, really profound and really powerful. And knowing your why is, I talk about it as well, is, is, is fundamental and knowing our mission, our purpose, however you want to term it, um, it gets through all those difficulties, those challenges we have. Uh, and like yourself, I'm, I'm very much into that wonderful place where I have that privilege of coaching individuals who then get those aha moments or get those moments where they create transformation for themselves. It's just, it's, it's an honor and a privilege. And, I, and I, I'm really with you on that. Um, and, and I think when we'll, we'll come on to it about resilience, what, knowing your why is also an important aspect of being resilient, I believe anyway, in terms of navigating through. And just I've just been reflecting in the last few weeks about how certainly in the UK, we've been having six, seven months worth of various tight lockdowns to various other lockdowns that are in some more regional based. And, and I'm sensing people's weariness and lacking energy uh, to keep going in this massively uncertain time and almost a, a sense of fatigue is sort of set in and I, and I just wondered 
just to get from your perspective, how we help leaders, organizations to help them in this sort of change fatigue, I guess, or pandemic fatigue. I just wonder what your thoughts will be on that. Well, let's let's kind of take a step back for a minute, kind of look at this from, from a human nature perspective and how we're set up. Um, our capacity to manage change and handle a lot of these different ups and downs that we have in our life, imagine it's kind of like a sponge inside us. Mm. And as things happen in our life, as we encounter different difficulties, challenges, changes, or crises, because at the end of the day, we always have those, whether it's a global pandemic or a personal loss or a job or a loved one or something like that, we're always dealing with something in our lives. And most of us have the capacity as we mature to deal with some of those things. Um, but what happens with that sponge is that when you pour water on it, I mean, what happens? That sponge starts getting filled up. It gets saturated. You keep pouring water on it, or God forbid you dump several buckets of it, like what we're dealing with right now, that sponge can no longer hold anything in it. It has very little ability to do what it's supposed to do and absorb mm. and, and allow us to keep going. Well, when you couple that with the situation that we're dealing with right now, with transitions, transitions have a beginning, a middle, and an ending. But what people don't realize is that major transitions like this start with the ending. It's the ending of the way things were. Our old normal mm. is gone. We have been ripped away from that. And what people don't realize is that much of what we're feeling with are the stages of grief. I was going to say, it is, it's like grief, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, we, we experienced denial. No, this isn't happening to me. It's not real. We were out in the streets protesting. Why are you giving me, asking me to have a mask? Mm -hmm. Or why are you putting these restrictions on me? We were we were out there criticizing everything. Mm -hmm. we, we started negotiating and bargaining, going to the point, well, what if I wear my mask here but not here? What if I stay home for this but I go out to the supermarket for that? And then f we got to the point where it we felt powerless and we started feeling depressed. I mean, when you look at that, the UN is reporting right now that essentially over a million, over a billion people across the globe are experiencing mental health issues, stress, anxiety, depression, all of those things that are impacting them because of these compounding crises, because of what's happening. I mean, these are people that didn't have problems before, so to speak, or nothing to report. So these are new cases, new issues. Well, once we get to the point of acceptance that our old normal is no longer here, then we are in this transition period, if you will, this middle stage, mm. where it's almost like free falling. It's almost like you're in limbo. You're neither here, but you're not there. In a typical crisis situation, if it's a natural disaster, for example, well, if something happens, if there's a storm, there's, the, there's a catastrophe, it happens, and then as tragic as it is, you start rebuilding. Mm. And then you're in the process of rebuilding. So you've already started the new beginning. But now we haven't even finished this process right now. So we are suffering from trauma, from PTSD, but we're not allowed to leave that same environment that's causing it. So now it's compounding, even for those of us that, that, that consider ourselves fairly resilient to this situation. We're in this limbo land. So the counter to that is embracing that, is understanding that, you know what? I don't have all the answers, and that's okay. Mm. Embracing the fact that this situation is what we're all dealing with. Accepting some amount of risk. If you're going to be a little adventurous right now with a, a new venture, with a new idea, something you've always wanted to do, now is the time to do it. Now is the time to use that opportunity to say, you know what, hey, 
Nobody's perfect right now. I can go out and I can try something. Do you, do you think there's comfort in the fact that actually we're all in it together because we are? Because yeah. um, it is, it's obviously it's a global thing. And by actually reframing it in your head, I've done that. I've done that same where I've actually, we're all in this, mm-hmm. we're all experiencing it. And it weirdly gives you some sort of sense of comfort, um, yeah. bizarrely, uh, <laughs> which is helpful. Because that's exactly what it is. If you look around, nobody's in, in, in a great shape right now. We're all operating in a situation where we have various varying degrees of discomfort right now, all the way up to really having problems that require specialized attention. But for the vast majority of us, if we can embrace this a little bit, almost like, think about it this way. When I was, when I was young in Greece, where, where I was originally from, we used to go to the beach or we used to go somewhere where we might be jumping off a rock into the water. And for that split second of time when you were in the air, as a child, you thought you were flying. You were a superhero. Yeah. Now, I don't want to equate, I don't want to trivialize what we're going through. But if we can tap into that same sort of sense inside us that rather than falling, we're flying and we have an opportunity to kind of launch certain things, perhaps we can shift our mindset enough ask a different question where we look at this as an opportunity. Quite honestly, I don't miss the two-hour commutes. I don't miss having to get on a plane every so often and being away from my family. There are things that I like. And if we look at this time of ambiguity, which Mm -hmm. is very difficult for us humans, and really put it in perspective and say, yes, things are changing, but not everything has changed. If I put it in perspective and say, okay, what's still the same? You ask me a question. My purpose hasn't changed because we're in a pandemic. No. My loved ones are still here. I still get a chance to hug them and tell them I love them. And the people, my, my, my trusted partners, my colleagues, having this conversation with you, that hasn't changed. What has changed is the fact that I can talk to somebody who's across the pond, who's thousands of miles away from me, mm. because now we have the opportunity to expand that reach because we're all embracing this. And then as we get through this period of, of, of testing and trying and, and new things, we'll finally get to that other side. And now we start the beginning, the new beginning. And I want to encourage people to understand, we're not talking about just a new normal. People need to accept the fact that this is the next normal in the sense that there will be another next normal after that, and then after that, and then after that. Because there's one thing that we can count on. Things will not remain the same indefinitely. No. I like I like that the reframe you did on with your jumping off a, a cliff and the mm-hmm. fact that that moment where you're free falling and instead of thinking I'm falling, I'm flying, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because you know we we all experience anxiety and excitement and they're the same emotion effectively in your brain and and often. You know, I talk to my clients where they get really nervous about, you know, presenting in front of people or something. And I said, rather than thinking of it as those nerves, think of excitement. Think that so you're just reframing it and so you're excited to be in front of people. That's why you get in all those feelings and it creates that different mindset and reframe, which enables you then to think more positively about it and to overcome it. Um and so yes, yeah, so now, yes, not the new normal, it's the the next normal and that's and that's creating an expectation of just let's keep going at this and not settling and not thinking oh we've arrived again 
and let's sit down and then just carry on as normal. No, no, it's just going to keep keep going mm -hmm. until the next one. Look at this as an opportunity to build a skill set. I mean, your your area of expertise, as as much of mine is, is with resilience. And we talk about resilience as the ability to cope and to handle these kind of changes. When we wrote the book with Dr. Ilya, I mean, a lot of what we part of the reason why we titled it "Navigating a Crisis." seven keys to navigating a crisis because what ultimately is a navigator a navigator is somebody who can lead the way who can who can chart a territory mm -hmm. it doesn't it's not always an area that he or she has been in but they have enough experience that they can recognize the signs mm -hmm. when you look back on our on our professional or personal lives it's not the first crisis that we've dealt with and it's not certainly not going to be the last mm -hmm. i mean all of the crises that we've had have have created problems, but they've also created opportunities. I mean, just think about the word. The word crisis in the ancient Greek language where it originates from essentially means judgment or testament. And my ancestors used to consider that a test from the gods. It's wow. something, it's a trial that we have to overcome. It's something that's put in front of us to address. Resilience is the muscle that comes from working through those things. Mm. And as you accomplish things, as you're able to have some success or to get your feet back from under you, you start gaining confidence. You start gaining competence. You start creating hope. And that's what's missing right now, to go back to your question about why is the pandemic fatigue so predominant right now, is because mm. people don't have hope. It's hard to run a race I mean, you run races a lot from what I understand, and you've been both a sprinter and you've been both a long distance runner. If somebody keeps moving the finish line on you and you just are told to keep running, how does that feel? <laughs> pretty pretty de demoralizing, I tell you. Correct. So that's part of what we're facing right now. The ending that we anticipate, that we expect, is not obvious to us. No. So rather than expecting somebody to tell us that tomorrow it's going to end, grasp onto what we can control, which is the now, that transition period, turn the free fall into a flying exercise right now. Wow. And look at that as an opportunity to say, what can I do during this time? What can I do in my day? I mean, the pandemic fatigue is real. Let's face that. I mean, that, that's, that's not a question. Mm. It's very real. But what can I control within my day? I can control and set certain boundaries about when I start and when I end my day for the most mm. part. I could control my attitude towards how I tackle those things. I can say, you know what? I'm feeling right now that I can. I, I need to get outside a little bit and get some fresh air. I'm going to take my dogs and go for a walk. I mm -hmm. may embrace my, my, my spouse, my daughter, and say, come on, let's go, let's go together. Let's go for a little walk. Let's get some fresh air. I can control certain things about my day. Setting healthy boundaries is a key part of this. And even as business leaders, uh, for those out there that are looking for, for answers, Honestly, that's where right now we have to step up. Uh, when we wrote the book that you mentioned, we wrote it for individuals. However, what we're realizing is that we're being approached by our clients, um, old and new, mm. to answer questions for them. The old playbooks are no longer working, Julian. Uh, mm. The way that we went about our business, just wishing that people come back to the office or start operating a certain way, that's not a strategy. That's not an approach that's going to help them. So the biggest issues that leaders have right now is how do I, per, first of all, safeguard the mental and physical health of my workforce? Mm. How do I make sure that my people are well? The same way that you would protect your family. 
you look at that as a business leader and you say, how can I make sure that my people are okay? Mm. How can I make sure that then we keep the doors open on our operation and we continue to be able to serve our customers, provide employment for our employees, and continue mm. to serve our purpose that we have, why we built the company? These are questions that leaders are asking us. Mm. And the seven keys not only provide answers to individuals, but they provide answers to business leaders as well. Mm. And I guess this is like yourself. I'm getting asked, you know, we know that we need to build resilience and we know that resilience is a skill, mm -hmm. um, stroke sort of mindset, um, in terms of those things. Um, and we know that if, to make a, an organization resilience, you start with the individuals. And as you build the individuals, the team, the organization becomes more resilient mm -hmm. and becomes more agile into coping with crisis or challenges not as pandemic in anything really uh, and i believe it is a competitive advantage to be resilient as an organization so what are the things taking your your seven keys in your book in terms of making that as a roadmap for organizations if they were to say how do i put that in place how do i start to build i suppose a resilient culture within my organization well that's Let's take some examples here. Um, if, if we look at the seven keys themselves, the first key starts off with self-care. Self-care for you and me might be part of what we've been talking about, about making sure that, that, that we are looking at ourselves and checking how am I doing physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, attending to those needs and making sure that I am, I, I am in a good place before I start trying to reach out and help others. Mm -hmm. uh, I just wrote a... a, a, a I may be tipping my hand. I just wrote an article that I'm going to be publishing in the next few days about you cannot pour from an empty cup. Self-care is critical. Mm -hmm. uh, how can you reach out and help somebody when you're not on solid footing yourself? So self-care is important. Well, when you take that and you translate it to an organization, what does that mean? As an HR leader, for example, someone might look at that and say, are my benefits up to date where they need to be? Tuition reimbursement is not a priority for anybody right now. No. When I look at it, I say, okay, are my physical, mental benefits, the, 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 what I need to provide to my workforce relevant, especially here on the U.S. side where all of the, the, the benefits, the health benefits are privatized through the companies. Mm. With you with the NHS, it might be a little bit different in the U.K., but still, can I make sure that my people have what they need to physically and mentally be in a good place? As I start bringing people in back into the same workspace, this is not the same workplace that they mm. left six months ago. It's changed. So re-onboarding, re-engaging, retraining people in this new workplace, are there new restrictions, new things that they need to take into consideration? These are all things that business leaders need to look at from a self-care perspective and prepare to bring their workforce in place. If you decided that you have a dispersed workforce, how are you taking care of that workforce? Mm. How are you making sure that they are catered to and they have what they need to do a successful job? And how are we restructuring that? The second key is awareness, for example. Awareness to me might be quieting myself and going through a mindful exercise to be able to understand mm -hmm. what's happening inside me. For an organization, that means asking questions, whether that's through surveys to, to your team or, as Dr. Ilya would probably put it, shutting that proverbial door, even when it's a virtual one, just the two of us and saying, hey, Julian, how are you really doing? Yeah. Are you doing? And really checking in with your people. 
we don't have that opportunity anymore. So that awareness is not just an individual awareness. It's no. an awareness of your people, Correct. what they're thinking, feeling, where are they, what's their state of mind at the moment, how's their family. It's that genuine suppose, empathetic leadership where you're Correct. concerned genuinely about them, isn't it? And take that point, and I'm going to digress for a second and kind of introduce a concept that I, I came across a few months ago. And it's, it's the concept of the leadership paradox. So as we're coaching and educating executives right now, we're asking them to, to embrace a mindset. It's almost like a, a Janusian mindset, like from the, from the god Janus, with looking two different ways, essentially, and embracing what seems like, an, like opposites on the surface. You talked about empathy. As a leader, I have to have the empathy of what my workforce is going through what you're going through, because not only are you a father, not only are you a member of my team, but you might be teacher, you might be caretaker, you might be a bunch of other things. You might be short order cook, making food for the family. And I have to have an empathy for that and understanding that you may or may not have a dedicated workspace in your house where you may have to be putting your laptop next to your, to, to your school age child. And as they're going through their homework, you have to do your work. I have to be understanding of that, that that's the reality that you're living in right now. So having empathy, but at the same time, I also have to provide tough love and boundaries. Because for you, if you don't have kids, what we realize is that a lot of people that didn't have those other quote unquote distractions were ending up working 18 hours a day in order to cope and keep sane. Yes. Because they yeah. couldn't go out and to the pub and have a beer with their friends. They couldn't go to a movie theater. So now they're trying to cope by working long hours, well, that'll lead to burnout very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. So now, empathy on one hand, tough love on the other. These are seemingly contradicting things, mm -hmm. but they're not. I mean, so awareness of those things is critical. I need to be able to understand that. I'll mm -hmm. give you another example. Think about the fact that you and I, like I said, are accessing technology that's available mm -hmm. to us now that wasn't. 20 years ago when I worked for, for, for a project that was dealing with outsourcing, you know, people into from a call center out into the in, into their homes. The two things, the two critical factors, one was technology, the other was trust. Now we have the technology. And business leaders were forced to trust their workforce because they sent them all home because they didn't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. And what they realize now is they can do it. So high tech is available, but we also need high touch. We also need those moments because you and I are not going to cross paths in the break room today. We're not going to see each other coming out of a meeting and have that five-minute walk down the hallway to kind of catch up a little bit and talk. Those mm -hmm. informal moments, those those spaces between the key events that we normally interact. I have to make that very, very purposeful. I need to use the technology to now reach out to you purposefully. I mean, take flexibility. You look at flexibility and you say, okay, to a person, that means one thing. I remember that Dr. Ilya shared the story of the oak tree and the palm tree with you. Mm -hmm. But it's a Darwinian concept that basically says it's not the strong that are going to survive right now. It's the flexible. It's the adaptable. And that's yes. always been the case. So organizations that hold on to their old way of doing things because that's the way they've always done them mm -hmm. are going to have a very hard time right now. But yeah, and going back to that, sort of trying to create the, I suppose, the, 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 the cooler talk, you know, the water cooler talks where people have those moments. And it's trying to, and there's obviously a flexibility in that and trying to create it. Yes, we've got the technology, but trying to do it in a way that's 
not forced or false and trying to keep it quite genuine. And I remember talking to a, a leader a month or so ago and she was having these daily calls with her team. I think it was at lunchtime to try and create a, a lunchtime moment where we all chat and, and, and she said, oh, we're just all getting a bit tired of it. And the team, nobody's turning up. And I said, well, perhaps, A, you need to ask your team what they like next because perhaps things have moved on because then be mindful of the season's changes life and actually perhaps it became a little bit of a a, 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 part, a chore as opposed to natural engagement and you know make it a bit more free-flowing or actually say to something your team you organize something and if it comes from the team as opposed to you actually might get a better engagement and, and a sense of more socially maybe it's just once a week you have a quiz together or a beer or a drink at five o'clock on a Friday whatever it is Right. Just to try and it's and or just calling people quickly. And you know, I remember the early days, people were always calling me and said, Oh, let's set up a, a Zoom call or you know, in the UK. And and that's that's great. I can just have a phone call as well. I don't have to be on a Zoom call with you because I know what you look like. I've met you in person. Who's having a call? It's fine. I don't have to be in this because there's sometimes a bit of pressure when you're in the not so much now because people are used to it, but making sure the background looks good and. I look good and actually I can just sit on my bed and just have a call with somebody or sit in a chair and actually it's better than that. So it's been mindful of that and not so use technology. I always say to people, you know, technology is there to serve us. Correct. Not be a slave to it and thinking we have to do it, you know. Yes, we're using it now and it's wonderful and we have to use it because you're thousands of miles away. Uh, and this is brilliant how we can facilitate this, but it's serving us and we're not a slave technology correct and we have more options now i mean we just need to, to understand that mm. that let's use the options let's let's make sure that the tool matches the situation i mean i yes. like to, when, when, when i work with people i say you're going to have a hard time tightening a screw with a paintbrush it's just not the right tool for the job so they each serve a purpose match the purpose of the situation and to the environment mm. and like you said sometimes even a simple phone call can be a lot more personal and intimate with somebody than even a zoom call Totally. So, yeah. So that's basically the, the the gist of it. A lot of it is the seven keys of basically providing that roadmap mm. towards resilience, towards uh, a, a path that will help companies get through to the other side. I mean, it's not from a professional standpoint. I mean, the personal tragedy aside, because there is um, a lot of organizations, a lot of people have suffered through this, um, and there's no. We shouldn't trivialize that. No, not at all. At the same time, we look at that and we say, okay, what can we look forward to? Um, new industries will come from this. The same mm -hmm. way that Airbnb and Uber didn't exist before the, the, the crisis in 2008 with the financial meltdown. Mm -hmm. Certainly. You look at it and say every, every situation uh, has a number of different things that come from it. Some of it mm -hmm. is tragedy, but even from tragedy, a lot of times we can see positive things coming from it. Well, you said it before where it, it's – the time and the moment to have a go. Mm -hmm. um, because not that you use pandemic as an excuse, but if it fails, it fails. It doesn't matter. And anyway, failure in the context, in my mindset, is, is, is just feedback in terms of how you carry on going forward, actually. Um, so you just need to change it. And so I think it's in, in, a, in a, an organizational context, you know, it's time to innovate. It's time to try different things with your clients, with your customers, with your teams, and just 
have a go. And um, it's the moment, really, to put your hand up and think, oh, yeah, let's have a go at this. And then there, we fight with as much because you've got to try things, you've got to innovate. And, and just by creating that innovation and that difference, it, it stimulates people, it gets people engaged. Yes, there might be a sense of it might it might not work, but as long as it's aligned to the overall, whether it's an individual or a company purpose or mission, then people are happy to put all their energy into it and to see some success. And it, that creates that sort of thriving mindset still, doesn't it? It does. And, and, and let's take some of those points that you just made. I mean, the example of the meeting, the impromptu meeting that the, that, that the team leader wants to make, um, that's, a, that's so characteristic of where we are with a lot of our leaders in the sense that they feel obliged to provide all the answers. Whereas mm -hmm. the term engagement that you used, in times like this, what better way to be more aware of where your, where, where your team is and ask them, how are we going to get through this, guys? I want your input. I want your ideas. How can we make this move? Because trust me, working on the performance improvement side, nobody knows the job better than the people doing it. Totally. I mean, leaders may think they know the job, but the people that do it day in and day out have insights that, that leaders don't. They mm -hmm. may be able to ask the right questions or provide answers to things that you know, we may not be thinking about. You look at a typical restaurant, for example. Here's an example of flexibility and embracing the situation with your team. What if now, weather permitting, I start moving things to the outside. I start using the outside space, whatever's available to me, even the sidewalk, to be able to provide for my customers to sit down in a safer environment. Mm. What if now I turn my wait staff into delivery people that can now deliver mm. my product to my customers that are at home? What if I use that unused space that's in my dining room to expand the back of the house so now I can socially distance my workforce that's mm. looking in the back? These are things that you can look at very, very differently. Totally. I mean, one of my clients, for example, is, is, is a major construction industry player. And I look at them, when we went through this, they know firsthand what creating a safe environment for their workforce looks like because they have to. Their main goal, first and foremost, is to make sure that everybody goes home in one piece at the end of the day because the construction industry does come with certain risks. So you look at that and you say, okay, they've gone through all these different things to create a safe environment in, in this age of COVID. They're an essential business. Well, all of the work that they're doing, they can document this stuff and then it becomes a competitive advantage because when they're going out now to win more work, they can present that as we have a plan, which is a big part of, of the next step. If when you're talking about key seven, for example, and mm -hmm. preparation, everybody's got a plan until they get smacked in the face. That's what Mike Tyson used to say. <laughs> so how are business leaders updating their business continuity plans, their risk management strategies? Mm -hmm. Are they documenting what's working now and updating that? This is where they can use that and turn it into a competitive advantage and then take action, not just individually as leaders, but engage your people in different mm -hmm. ways and then bring that forward with a positive attitude. Well, positive attitude doesn't mean rainbows and sunshine. No. When you're a navigator, you embrace that and you look at it and say, okay, what does this landscape look like? It's the difference between danger and fear. Acknowledge the danger in the business landscape, in the natural landscape, in the physical landscape, in the financial landscape, acknowledge the danger and then act on it realistically. Don't try to put hope as your strategy or wishful thinking. That's not what this is about. This is about having a belief, a sense of confidence. The resilience that we're talking about comes in the attitude and being able to move forward with a sense of purpose 
No, mm. you know what? I've updated my strategic plan. I've updated that. My mission, vision, and values, my story, my why hasn't changed. No. I, mean, I look at it for myself and you. We, we still are here to serve our clients and people that we're trying to help. We're trying to make the world a better place, one individual, one organization. Mm. That hasn't changed, but my approach might change. I'm moving exactly. now all of my in-person coaching sessions to these kind of sessions over the phone, over Zoom. I can still make a difference. That hasn't changed. This adversity is not going to develop character. It's going to reveal it. Yes. And that's the part that we need to see. Well, the companies that really believe in the things that they say mm -hmm. they need to do it. And then ultimately, with the kindness, I remember the conversation you had with Dr. Ilya, and I encourage anybody that didn't hear it to listen to it because people talk about kindness. Well, we started the journey with self-care. We ended with kindness. We started being kind to ourselves. Now we're looking to be kind to others because the minute you start looking outward, you're out of your head. You're not mm. feeling sorry for yourself because there are others that are in worse place than we are. But from a business standpoint, think about the logic of this. Most business leaders will look at you and say, are you kidding me? Kindness at a time like this? But think about it. If you're kind to your employees, your workforce, if you're kind to your customers, if you're kind to the communities that you serve and you try to offer what you can to them at this time of need, they will remember. This is how brands are built. Mm. This is how loyalty is built. You have so much as an organizational leader to be able to do to think about that. Be empathetic and kind to your workforce. Be understanding and find out how you can help your customers, perhaps even differently now. Mm. And then look to your community to say, are there things that we can do to support our community? Because no organization operates in a vacuum. We all reside somewhere. Yeah. You might. I, I had Mark Roberts on um, a number of episodes, and he talked about uh, being in service of your clients and have that sense of a motive of wanting to help serve. I know we do it because we're in that sort of helping world, but actually whatever you do, construction, pharmaceutical, have a mindset that says I want to serve my customers, my clients, that's and help them out and ensure that they've got the best service, the best products, the best price, the best people. And by having that mindset through kindness, because it's like a kindness and approach, actually you get so much more back um, because they, they feel it because people feel that sort of subconsciousness of a sense of purpose, whether you're just after that for the money and just for a transaction if this is a relational thing, this is a bigger thing, and actually I can really feel this person wants to really look after me and help me with my customers and innovate me in a different way, actually, I want to keep this relationship going because this is really good. I feel it. And I think that kindness overflows within your employees amongst and onto your clients as well. And that's a, that's a really valuable point. And I don't think it's just a – it's been highlighted this time, of, this time at the moment because of the pandemic – but I think it's something I'm hoping, I think it will start to be a bit of a, a shift in organizations and how they operate um, internally and then obviously externally as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the brands that will last, the, the organizations that will have success now and in the future are the ones that really tap into that purpose, the ones that really have a story behind them that people can understand, they can embrace. They're, they're not just transactional anymore. That's not no. a I mean, you can do you can perform acts of kindness in all these directions as a business leader because it's the right thing to do and because at the end of the day, it makes good business sense. Mm. 
totally. Yeah, and that's and that that I think is a big part of that. But embrace that. Embrace the path. I mean, the answers are there if people are willing to see them. Mm. The ability to think with a growth mindset should be something that all leaders need to embrace right now mm. and really be able to 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 compile those thoughts. I mean, yes, trim trim the fat. We all agree with that. You need to look at costs and cut right now because things are changing. But don't cut so deep that you're cutting into muscle, into your ability to execute your strategy. Mm. I'm encouraging my clients right now to go out and look for talent because there's plenty of talent that got released, that got thrown out, mm. that got thrown out with the baby with the bathwater in this case. And there are companies that have let go of talent that's available now in the workplace. That if you're a smart operator. Mm. If you know what you need, you can find some very talented people out there. I really like that phrase you said, uh, cut, don't cut so deep that you cut into muscle. Yeah. That's that's that's, 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 that's really stuck for me, actually. I like that because it, it's, yeah, trim the fat down, eat more leaner, but don't go so deep that actually you make yourself, you can't do things. <laughs> you can't, yeah. I mean, think about it. I mean, six months ago, seven months ago, maybe a little bit more, we were talking about the war for talent that, Companies couldn't find the right people uh, out there in the workplace because unemployment rates were so low, at least here in the States. And I know in the UK, it was booming there as well in many ways. Now, people are, are, are taking it for granted that they're going to find good people out there. That's not always going to be the case because people remember that kindness piece that we mentioned. People remember. Mm -hmm. And they will they you will either have to pay a very high price to attract talent mm -hmm. or they will come to you because of the way that you've treated people. Yeah, no, totally. That's brilliant. That sounds a really good roadmap is using your book, which I think is a great. And in terms of your seven keys, um, I think we're coming to the end of our, our time, which has been great. I, I can't believe time just whizzes by. Um, how can people get hold of you, Connor? And what's the best way of sort of tapping into that book as well? Well, the book is available through Amazon worldwide at this point. Um, it's available there either through the electronic version, through the Kindle, or they can order it in paperback. Um, the best way to get a hold of me, two avenues, LinkedIn through my profile there through Coach Khan, reach out to me, connect with me if we're not already connected. Um, the second thing is through my website, through my organization, www.freshbizsolutions.com. And that's where I have a lot of information. People can schedule time with me. They can get free resources. They can look at a lot of different things and hopefully maybe even sign up to stay in touch and get a lot of the news that we provide. Brilliant. Uh, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for your insights. And uh, thank you just for sharing some really good strategies. I think that organizations and leaders will really value. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, Julian. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I'm a big fan of yours as well. And uh, I've really appreciated how you've been going about and helping your clients and your for each of us out part of the world, if you will. Thank you.